Welcome to the New Story Church podcast. The message you're about to enjoy was delivered live at New Story Church in downtown Los Angeles. For more information, check out newstorychurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message. Anyone else feel king today? So good to be with you guys. Welcome to New Story Church, where if your life is actually messier than this stage, uh, you feel free to be at home today, okay? This is, uh, this is, uh, this is going to be a great series. Uh, so good. In case we haven't met uh, yet, uh, my name is Tom. Um, I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And yes, just as our friend Trisha shared, uh, we are kicking off our brand new series called spark joy. We're going to clean things up around here, clean things up on stage, clean things up in our lives with this brand new series, Spark Joy. Now, a quick question. Does anyone, uh, just be honest, uh, does this kind of arrangement here, does all this junk, does this get anyone anxious? Just raise your hand. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Uh, I just need you to be very honest with me right now. Uh, Actually, you need to confess your sins. Uh, Raise your hand if you are just, this is Sunday, I'm a pastor, this is church. Uh, Raise your hand, just be honest, because I know that you're out there. Uh, Raise your hand if you are a hoarder in life. Just go ahead, nice and high, please. Confess your sins, nice and high. Okay. Raise your hand if, like me, you are a minimalist. Like, you just, you can't wait to throw things. Okay, awesome. Raise your hand if you're married to each other or dating each other. Yeah? Okay, yeah, that's usually the way it works, okay? Uh, Now, uh, be honest. Uh, How many of you have at least uh, one place in your home? It could be like your garage, it could be a certain closet, it could be your kids' room, it could be your kitchen, it could be your car uh, that could use some spring cleaning right now. Like if we sent video cameras right now, yeah, okay, that's you, Joe, your hand went up real fast. Okay, well, I know you're, you look like a messy guy. I'm just, I'm just, it's okay. Anyways, you know, maybe this is why Marie Kondo's uh, fast-growing empire uh, with New York Times best-selling books, uh, right? And uh, of course, uh, her show on Netflix, it is one of the most popular TV shows right now. It's called Tidying Up. Uh, maybe this is why it's taking the world by storm right now. As a matter of fact, uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen or read these books? Have you ever seen the show? Just kind of nod your head. Yeah, okay. We actually have someone on the worship band who shall remain nameless. She comes up to me right before the service starts, and she's like, yeah, I read that book, Spark Joy. Anyways, uh, no judgment there, but you should read your Bible. Anyways, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, you can read both. I've read both. It's okay. Uh, Anyways, uh, for those of you who apparently have uh, no contact with the outside world, you're like, what is he even talking about? I don't even know. Uh, If you don't have any contact with the outside world, uh, here's the deal. Uh, Spark Joy, uh, this this little book right here, this New York Times bestseller, uh, and the TV show Tidying Up is a reality show featuring uh, this young lady by the name of Marie Kondo. Okay, Marie Kondo is an organizing consultant who basically helps people clean up. She helps people uh, tidy up their homes, their workplaces, etc., etc. And she uses very uh, very simple two-step process. Uh, basically, her two-step process is this. Step number one. 
Uh, what she wants you to do is, uh, let's say like we're talking about a closet or something, right? Like uh, maybe your master bedroom closet. She wants you, I, I don't want to mix up the instruments with junk here, but anyways, she, she wants you to take out all the things from your closet one by one, okay? And, oh, this is plugged in, okay? And the, she wants you to just uh, pile everything up uh, from your closet one by one, okay? And then just take everything out, okay? And just, I'm making, oh gosh, I'm sorry, whoever is going to... Okay, anyways, pile everything up like this, okay? And then once you have everything piled up, what she wants you to do is then take it all individually, piled up here, and then she wants you, one by one, she wants you to take a piece, okay? Hold it in your hands and ask one question. Does it spark Joy, exactly. And then step number two, either discard or organize accordingly, right? Very simple, right? It's a very simple thing. And it's absolutely, this whole concept, this whole method has absolutely just taken off like wildfire. As a matter of fact, many news outlets, including Fox Business, a CNN, a Time magazine, they've actually reported how many thrift stores and Salvation Army and Goodwill uh, drop-offs have actually refused donations. No, don't, don't, we don't want your donations anymore, please. It's just too much. And a lot of them attribute it uh, to the first airing of the show, Spark joy, okay? As a matter of fact, uh, full disclosure here, uh, even, a, uh, even in my own home, a, a modified version of tidying up may have actually swept through. Earlier in the year when I first uh, saw, when I first came upon this show, I was just like, oh my gosh, girls, we're tidying up right now. We got, our house is just, we got too much stuff here, okay? We got to tidy up right now. And I started first with my closet, okay? And then, thank God, uh, my kids have also pitched in, okay? So I think uh, that's, that's one of them right there, okay? And so anyways, my oldest one, not yet. She's a teenager, so she just, she's like, Dad, whatever. But anyways, okay? Uh, and so all that to say, right? We're doing all this... Some of you are thinking, like, what does this have to do with church? I mean, I came to church today. It's Sunday. I want to hear scripture. I want to hear Bible. I want to sing songs. Why are you talking about this? And then even one other person came up to me and said, you know, Pastor Tom, I heard you're going to do a Spark Joy tidying up series. You know, I don't know if you know this, but I heard in my office these people talking about it, and some people say that Marie Kondo, she's actually an undercover Shinto priest, and she wants to infiltrate the homes of millions and millions of domestic homes to, to cast the evil spell. Okay, people, relax, okay? Just <laughs> rather than taking on a sort of alarmist view, right? And theologically like girding up, right? Oh, I'm gonna do this cultural battle, right? I, I want, I, before we delve into the book here, I want you to understand the heart of New Story Church. This is one of our heartbeats. This is one of our passions. I'm gonna, before we actually get into the word of God, I wanna share with you uh, what New Story Church is all about. One of, our, one of our main streams of thought, one of our main streams of passion is simply this. We want to be a church that engages with the world, with the word of God and the love of Christ. We deliberately 
want to be a church that looks around at the world like the unbelieving world, the secular people. We want to we wanna see them. <laughs> we want to relate with them. We want to love them. We want to interact and engage with them. Am I saying we need to be a part of the world? No, I'm not saying we have to be a part of the world and do the same things and think the same things. But I am saying we're not trying to run away from the world because it's bad. No, no, no. We want to open our eyes and love the world because that's what God does. And he created all people. And so we want to love the world, but we want to engage them with the word of God and the love of Christ. And, and, and we as a church, when we come here on Sundays, we're saying, you know what? I want to be changed by the word of God and the love of Christ and the spirit of God. I want to be changed. And, and God, would you change me? Would you take this next 60, 70 minutes and change me in the way that I think, the way that I feel? And what I love and my passions, would you change me? And then somehow, would you somehow use me as, as some of the light and salt of the world? Not, not, not just like I'm here in my holy huddle and I feel good about myself, but actually like you would bless me here so that I could be a blessing out there. Does that make sense? Nod your head, please. Even if it's just to humor me, if that makes some sense, Yeah. That's what the church is. That's the kind of church that we want to be. So let me tell you something. If the world, if the world is hooked on a concept called spark joy, if spark joy is a New York Times bestseller for the last five years, which it has been. Some of you think Marie Kondo, well, she just came on this year. No, she's been around for almost 10 years, eight years. Eight years ago is when she wrote her first book. And so when spark joy finally catches on with the culture and the world around us, when, when the catchphrase of one of the most popular shows on TV, even more than Game of Thrones, when the catchphrase, or just, just as much, is, is, is spark joy, when the catchphrase of one of the most popular shows on TV is spark joy, when a New York Times bestseller is, is titled spark joy, well, then you, you best believe that we are going to be the kind of church that asks engaging questions like, why is that the case? Why, what, what is it about joy that people are searching after? What, what itch does it scratch that people want joy in their lives? Because you know what? There are a lot of cleaning and cooking type of DIY type shows out there. I mean, like hoarders, right? Like, I love that show because it makes me feel good about myself. I'm not a hoarder. Oh, look at those sinful people. But anyways, right? Like, there are other cleaning shows out there. But, but why, is it, why is it that tidying up and this concept of spark joy, why is that caught on like wildfire? Why can people no longer take donations? Because so many different people from all walks of life have totally bought in. And, and you best believe that we're going to start asking questions like, you know what? What is joy anyways? What does the Bible have to say about joy? How is joy different than happiness? What does a joyful life look like? Why are people so interested in this concept of joy? Why do we all, what is joy? I don't even understand. What, what does God have to say about joy? You best believe 
We are going to be a kind of church that engages with our world with the word of God and the love of God. Amen? Those are the kind of questions we want to ask. This is why for the next few weeks, we'll be asking these questions over and over again as we take a deep dive, verse by verse, exegetically, through the New Testament book of Philippians, which was written by a man named Paul. Paul was an apostle, and he wrote this book to the city of Philippi, the church in Philippi, which was this Roman colony. Now, I bring this up contextually because this is fascinating. You need to know that not only did he write this letter, this book, as it were, uh, to, this, uh, to this Roman colony, but he wrote this book while he was imprisoned, okay? He was, <clears throat> excuse me, he was wrongfully accused and imprisoned, incarcerated, in jail. Some say it was house arrest. Some say it was in jail, solitary confinement. Whatever the case, it wasn't good, okay? Whatever the case, he was in some sort of incarceration. And, and so with that being the case, he was wrongfully imprisoned. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm so much as wrongfully even misunderstood, if someone just misunderstands me, I'll be honest, I just get bent. I'm like, what? what do, you, do you not get what, right? Like, this happens to me all the time now. It used to never happen to me, <clears throat> but it happens to me all the time now with my kids, Okay? Raise your hand if you got a teenager or a tween, okay? Okay, raise your hand, please. All right. Pray for us, all you people that don't have your hand raised, okay? I got three, I got tweens and teens, okay? And they're like constantly misunderstanding my heart, right? They're like constantly, they never give me the benefit of the doubt. Ah, oh, well, dad doesn't, dad doesn't know. He's so uncool. He doesn't get it, blah, 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 blah. And so it's like when my wife and I, when we're like, uh, you know what? You really shouldn't post that. Because when you post something like that, here's what boys think, right? We're having those conversations. Or, ah, you know, we're not going to let you go there uh, this time because, like, who are the parents there? No parents? Right, guess what? You're not going, right? This kind of stuff. And they're constantly, like, misunderstanding us, and we're missing each other. And, like, I get all bent, just humanly speaking. I get bent when, there's, when I'm wrongfully accused of something, when I'm wrongfully misunderstood, right? But now can you imagine being wrongfully imprisoned? wrongfully imprisoned. I mean, what would that do to you? So now imagine being wrongfully imprisoned and writing a book about joy. Can you imagine being wrongfully imprisoned and writing a book about joy? That doesn't even make sense. But if that ever did happen, I tell you what, that would be a book I'd want to read, right? Wouldn't you want to read that book? Wouldn't you want to read a letter from jail, from a person who, who's, who's, who's in, wrongfully accused, uh, falsely incarcerated, and, 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 and this person wants to write about joy? See, this is not something that's written uh, uh, from a sandy, secluded beach, okay? It's not like somebody was like just relaxing, right, with a pina colada on some beach writing about joy, right? I don't want to read that book. That's not the book I want to read. The book I want to read is the one that's written about joy from the chaos and misery and confinement that's found in jail. That book I'll read. 
That book captures my attention. And quite frankly, that book will captivate my attention and will keep my attention to the very last page. Right? So with that in mind and with that in heart, let's take a look at the first chapter of this book. And if you're the note-taking type, if, as Trisha mentioned, we have a church app. If you want to take notes on the church app, or if you're old school, you want to pen to paper, uh, that's cool too. Today, we're going to take a, like a 10,000-foot fly, uh, flyover, uh, and I'm going to uh, share with you three essentials to living a joyful life. We're going to be spending several weeks in here. We're going to get down to the nitty-gritty, but today, I'm just laying out the concept Okay, doing a flyover, and I'll give you three essentials to living a joyful life. See, because the word joy, which is the Greek word kara, okay, appears no less than 15, 16 times in some way, shape, or form in this small little book tucked away in the New Testament. It's only four chapters, this entire book is only four chapters, and in the word joy in its original Greek appears somewhere between 15 and 16 times, depending on, it's like rejoice, that's, that would be a way, joy, enjoyment, that sort of a thing, right? And so these various uh, uh, variations appear 16 different times. Now, just by way of comparison, the first six books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, the first six books of the Bible, 191 chapters. Guess how many times the word joy in any variation appears in the first 191 chapters of the Bible? Guess how many times? Zero. Zero. It, it doesn't appear at all. The word joy in any variation never appears in the first six books of the Bible, in the first 191 chapters. Yet in this four-chapter book, tucked away in the New Testament, it appears no less than 15, 16 times, right? So there's something going on here, and he's writing it in prison. So what is actually happening? So today we're going to take a look at the first four times that the word joy appears in this book. It's all found in the first chapter. And the first one is right here in chapter 1. Look at where it says, Paul says this. And you can look, follow with me in your Bibles or look up on the screen. It says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with, what's the word there? Come on, church, what's the word there? Joy. I always pray with, whenever I, whenever I think of you, whenever I'm, I'm thinking about it, I'm always praying with joy. Why? Because of your partnership. Because of your partnership, that's why I, I'm filled with joy. Partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who, be, this is an amazing verse, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I love this verse. I love the way this opens up. This is a letter written from a man who is falsely accused and he is incarcerated and he starts out this letter. Verse three, it starts out and it shows us our first essential to living a joyful life. If you're a note taker, write this down. The first essential to living a joyful life is this. Number one, trust God's process. Trust God's process. See, God has a process. He has a plan. He has a way. He's got the whole thing mapped out. And some of you right now are at a fork in the roads, or some of you right now are maybe experiencing a curveball. Some of you right now may be experiencing something that you, weren't, you didn't expect. 
You know, Chisha was sharing earlier how, you know, we had plans for this, but then, you know, actually God guided our steps. We did the whole Ask God series where we talked about God's will, and God's guided our steps, and now we get to celebrate the fact that here we are in Jefferson for the foreseeable future. Like, that wasn't in our plans then, but God's guiding our steps, and, and we're just trusting God's process. Trust God's process. I know I'm about to date myself here, but uh, whatever. Uh, how many of you remember the SNL character Debbie Downer? Go ahead, just read, yeah? Debbie Downer, okay, all right. How many of you, uh, millennials are just like, what? Just, just bear with me, okay. Uh, uh, how many of you know a Debbie Downer in your life, right? Someone that's just an absolute killjoy. Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you are the Debbie Downer, okay? I'm just, that's just, that's just the reality, but that's how that works. Anyways, okay, uh, you know, life is full of Debbie Downers, right? Bummer bobs, right? Like, life is full with killjoys, okay? I'm talking about people or situations that just know how to just suck the air out of a room, right? Like, like, just when you're about to crack a smile, like a killjoy, a Debbie Downer will be like, ah, did you hear about the shooting? Or like, whatever. Like, it's just like, ah, okay, right? And one of the biggest killjoys ever in the scriptures, later on in the scriptures, God's word talks about light and momentary problems, right? And, and what scripture says is that, you know what? One of the biggest killjoys in life is if you allow light and momentary problems to completely derail you. Like if the slightest curveball, if the slightest change, if the slightest aberration, if the slightest alteration, if that like totally throws you off your game, you're not going to live a joyful life. And one of the quickest ways to lose joy in the midst of anything less than ideal, and oh, by the way, most of life is less than ideal, right? And so one of the quickest ways to lose joy in the midst of anything less than ideal is to forget the truth that the one who began a good work in you will continue it on to completion. See, friends, maybe you're here today and you are, in, you are in a spiritual rut, okay? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on this one, but just ask yourself, like, where are you spiritually today? Are you in a rut? Can you remember a time where you were more spiritually on fire than you are right now, right? Where you were more in love with Jesus and the things of God than you are today? If that's you, that's okay, that's, that may be a majority of this room. I don't know. I, I think we're probably split somewhere 50-50. But nevertheless, right, maybe you came in here today with certain issues, right? Maybe you're like, man, I, I told myself last week I wasn't going to mess up. And then this week I messed up again. Whatever that mess up is, X, Y, and Z, I don't care what it is, right? But maybe you're like, you know, man, why did I mess up? How did I mess up again? Or, or maybe for you, like, like, like you, you and your spouse, you've been going through this season right now, and it's just like, it's really hard. You're at each other's throats. You're more agitated and more uh, easily set off uh, than, than other times, and you're just flat out, you're just arguing a lot more, right? You've lost that loving feeling, right? And, and maybe this week, maybe this was the week where things escalated a little further than they normally do, and maybe someone said something that they regret. Maybe someone threw something. 
right? Maybe things escalated now in a different way. Like now the kids started hurting because usually you're able to keep your cool, the two of you, and like the kids have no idea. But now maybe this was the week where like the kids heard you guys screaming at each other and, and being nasty with one another. And maybe one of the kids went off to their bedroom and, and started crying and, and it's like wondering like if you guys are going to get a divorce. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's what you brought into this room today. Maybe you're someone that got baptized a few weeks ago or a few years ago even. And, and you thought like, like that was the magic potion. Like once I immerse myself into the waters of baptism, surely then once I come back up, uh, everything's going to be okay. But maybe today you still find yourself immersed in the same dramas. Maybe today you walked in here and you're like, man, I just, I, I don't know what to do with this issue. I don't know how I'm ever going to be cured of this. I don't know how this is ever going to be fixed. I think I have to take this one to the grave. I don't even know what to do about this. I, I, I'm, just, I'm about to give up. Friends, these are all legit killjoys. But let me speak to you right now. God's word for you today, if that's you, is don't worry. I've got this. Trust my process. His word says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Friends, did you know that God is a superb finisher? How many of you guys are good starters, right? You start things really well. You get motivated, you have initiation, and you start projects, you start businesses, you may even start relationships really well. But do you finish them? See, because God starts and he finishes really, really well. God always finishes what he starts. So that's why you can take heart this morning. That's why you can have a deep joy this morning. Because no matter what, I believe just by the very fact that you're in this room right now, just by the very fact, by some compulsion, you might think it's discipline, you might think it's will, you might think it's, your, it's, it's, it's pure positive pressure, but by whatever reason, the fact that you're here on a Sunday morning, sitting in a worship service, opening yourself up to the word of God, I believe that in and of itself is a sign that he must have started something good in your life. And so by that fact alone, you can be encouraged that he who began a good work in you will finish it to completion. Amen? Now watch this, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, imprisonment, false accusations, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Can you believe this? I mean, this guy, he's crazy, man. Like, there's nothing that gets this guy down. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just like, like think about what he just said there. He's like, listen, uh, everything that's happened to me so far, like all this, I got fired, I got demoted, I'm in jail, uh, I, got health, I got health issues, whatever, like whatever, you fill in the blank, like whatever it is, Paul's like, don't worry about it, I'm chill, I'm cool, I'm cool, it's all good. Because why? Because it's actually served to advance the gospel. And that's laser-like focus, right? I mean, that, that's, that's like, that's another level. Right? Who is this guy? Right? 
He continues, verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. But what does it matter? The important thing is what? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And and because of this, I what? I, come on, church. Because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Friends, do you know what else is a serious killjoy in your life? Do you know what is one of the most notorious Debbie Downers of life? Here's the answer. Not having your priorities straight. If you don't have your priorities straight, you are setting yourself up for not only failure, but you are setting yourself up for less joy in your life. Right? And, and, and here's the deal, right? There's no bigger priority for a believer of Jesus. There's no bigger, more important priority for a disciple of Christ, for, for someone who believes and has been baptized. There's no bigger priority than Jesus. Listen, if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus, that's cool. Like, you are welcome here. You are more than welcome. Like, you, you are no more or less welcome than anyone else, okay? But, like, if you're not, if, you, if you're someone today that you're kind of kicking the tires of Christianity or you have some questions about Jesus and you don't really know and you don't know where you are, that's all right. I'm, I'm, for, like, the next 10 seconds, I'm not talking to you. But I am talking for the next 10 seconds. I am talking to those of you that consider yourselves Christian. Those of you who consider yourselves believers and followers of Jesus, I'm saying to you right now in the next five seconds that for you and you alone, the number one priority must be Jesus. Okay, now we can all come back together. Now, this is for everyone, right? Because I love Paul's candor. Look at Paul's candor. He's like, you know what? Some people preach with that in mind, right? Just, just Think about Paul's laser-like focus, okay? And, and this is what enables him to say, like, you know what? I, I get it. Some people preach Christ for good reasons. Others people preach uh, Christ for bad reasons. In other words, friends, did you know, this is adult talk now, did you know that there are people that do good things for good reasons, but did you also know, adult talk, there are people that do good things for bad reasons? Did you know that? Bible knows that too. Guess what? God knows that too. You haven't, like, pulled one over God, right? Like, he knows some people do good things for good reasons, and other people do bad, the good things for bad reasons. He knows that. But what's Paul's remedy for that? What's Paul, how does Paul reconcile that? How does Paul deal with that dynamic? He says in verse 18, what does it matter? Who cares? Right? Just think about the laser-like focus that he has to have to say this. Who cares? What does it matter? The important thing, what's the important thing? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, again, I will continue to rejoice. See, friends, Paul's priority was Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He literally says, The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true motives, Christ is preached. Like no matter what, I don't care if it's good, bad, or ugly, is Christ preached? That's his question. That's his number one priority. Are you preaching Christ? 
Now, some of you have tuned out and you're like, well, this sounds like a great message for, for a pastor. This sounds like a great message for someone that's on a church staff. This sounds like a great message for, for like a mature. No, no, no. This priority of Christ is for all believers. It's not like Paul went to like a pastoral leadership conference and is talking about this. No, he's addressing like the whole city of Philippi. He's addressing the entire church in Philippi. And he's, be, he's like, yo, 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 your priority needs to be Jesus. You, you need to preach Christ. And so if you're a believer here today, I'm asking you, is that your priority to preach Christ? You're like, pastor, you're the only preacher here. Or you're like, I don't preach. I don't, I don't make up manuscripts. I don't, I don't type sermons out. I don't spend my week. No, no, no. no. You, you're always preaching Christ. You only use words if you have to. You're preaching some kind of message right now with your life. You are preaching with your life right now. Your, your life is telling a story right now. Your life is telling a story. Whether you use words or not, your life is telling a story. What I'm asking you is, is that story pointing to Christ? What I'm asking you is, is that story the story of the redemptive love of Jesus in your life? Or is it some other story? That's what Paul's asking right now. And, 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 and Paul's like, look, man, I don't even care. I don't even care what the motives are because it's like it's not my job to judge. You know, you hear a lot of like arguments, right? Like these, oh, these deep philosophical arguments. Oh, I don't believe in the church because too many hypocrites. No, no, no. Paul's like, listen, man, I don't, even, I don't even know if she's being hypocritical or he's being real. Like I don't even know. I don't even care. Are their lives preaching Christ or not? So I, I, when I look at you, I'm like, I, I don't care if people think you're hypocritical. And I don't care if people think you're real. All I care about, all I'm seeing is, are you preaching Christ or not? And so the second essential aspect to living a joyful life is this, number two. Stick to God pleasing priorities. Stick to God-pleasing priorities. And preaching Christ is a God-pleasing priority. Stick to God-honoring priorities. You have, everyone in here has priorities. My question is, are they God-pleasing? <laughs> do they honor God? Do they lift God? Do they make God famous? Do they make Jesus famous or yourself famous? That's my question. Everyone here has priorities. My question is, are they God-pleasing priorities? Because when you stick to God-pleasing priorities, when you make the main thing God's thing, does that make sense? When you are diligent and deliberate about making your main thing in life God's thing, then you will strike real joy. Does that make sense? Then you won't sweat the small stuff. All right? Even if the small stuff, by the way, is like being wrongfully accused and thrown in prison. Even if, if, if the small stuff, by the way, is, oh, we're not able to worship over here in this location. We have to worship here in this location. Like, that's all small stuff. Who cares? Who cares? Which explains how and why Paul ends this particular thought with this. He says, and because of this, I rejoice. And yes, I will continue to rejoice. Like, you can't kill my joy, man. You can't kill it. 
I'm always going to be joyful. Man, I'm even in prison. And my life is a mess. It's chaotic and it's just, it's just filthy and it's just, it's just like, it's crazy. But like, you can't, you can't mess with my joy. I'm still, I'm full of joy. Doesn't matter how, you didn't get hurt, did you? Yeah, it doesn't matter how messy things are, how chaotic things are, I'm full of joy. It's amazing. Stick to God-pleasing, God-honoring priorities, and you will live a joyful life. Stick to your own priorities. You know the rest. Last essential here. I keep wanting to say essential oils. It's not essential oils, but la last essential element here, okay? <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, look with me at verse 21, all right? Verse 21. This is the last essential. This is a powerful, uh, this is such a powerful verse. I love this verse. We could do an entire series on it. I'm getting crazy ideas right now. But anyways, uh, this is the last time that the word joy, fourth time in this chapter is the last time that the word joy is mentioned in chapter one, right? Fourth time already. Uh, this is the last time in the chapter, right? Verse 21 says this. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Turn to a neighbor and say, for me to live is Christ. Turn to another neighbor and say, to die is gain. You guys were like more enthusiastic about that second part. What's, what's up with that? Anyways, verse 22 says, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and what? Joy. I'm going to continue. Like, it's way better for me to be with Jesus right now, right? Uh, but uh, he's got me here. And while I'm here, he's got me doing this ministry. And this ministry is for your progress and joy in the faith. We're going to get back to that. Look at verse 26. So that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Friends, did you know that happiness depends on happenstance, which is where we get our word circumstance? Okay? Happiness depends on happenstance, which is where we get our word circumstance. In other words, you need to think of it this way. Happiness depends on happenings or circumstances. Happiness depends on happenings or circumstances. Happiness is all about what's on the outside of me. What are the external elements outside of me? That is what dictates and determines your happiness. Joy, on the other hand, is so different. Joy is all about the internal. It's all about the foundational. It's all about what's inside. It's more constant and consistent. And what this last passage shows us is that you cannot have joy without purpose. You can't have it. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. That's not how God rigged it. You cannot have joy without purpose, which leads us to our third and final point. Point number three is this. The third essential to living a life of joy is number three, live with God-given purpose. Live with God-given purpose. Turn to a neighbor and say, live with God-given purpose. Amen. Friends, if you don't know your God-given purpose in life, 
this is not like a judgment statement. This is not like a threat. This is not, this is just like facts, okay? If you don't know why the creator of the universe decided to create you for this time, this place, if you don't know your God-given purpose, you will not be tapping into his greatest joys for you. Does that make sense? Like you might be experiencing some level of contentment. You might be experiencing some level of even happiness based on happenings and circumstance. But if you don't know your God-given purpose, then you won't have a God-given type of joy in your life. But here's the good news. The second the second you find your God-given purpose, and by the way, here's a hint. Here's God's given purpose. God's given purpose for every single person in this room is to fall in love with Jesus Christ and enjoy the ride. Amen. Yeah, yeah, you can clap for that. Amen. God's, God's purpose for you is to fall in love with Jesus and then just buckle up. And you don't know what God's will, go back to the last series, okay? Just go online, okay? And you can find out God's will for your life. But that's his main purpose. And there are other purposes. We can talk about worship and evangelism and discipleship and maturity, all that stuff, right? But like, just like narrow it down. His purpose is for you to fall in love with him. And when that happens, when you find your purpose, when you live your purpose, joy is not far behind. It's right there. And you see, for Paul, he knew the greatest purpose in his life was to live for the one who died for him. He knew that. Paul's like, man, my greatest purpose, I don't care if I'm in jail. I don't care if it's good motives or bad motives. Man, I'm just going to live for the one who died. Because for me, to live is Christ and die is what? Gain. And to that end, he gave himself. He lived for the purpose of Christ. And that's why verse 25 says, convinced of this, I will continue with all of you for, why? Why is he going to continue with all of us? Why is he writing this letter? For your progress and what? Joy in the faith. The reason why God hasn't taken the breath of life from me, Paul is saying, is so that I would continue with you for your progress and your joy in the faith. That's the only reason why I'm alive. That's what Paul's saying. Can you believe this? Friends, do you know that, that, that that's, like, I share, like, that's me too. Like, I mean, I love my wife. I love my kids. But they know. I mean, we talk about this. It's like, yeah, I love you guys so much. I would take a bullet for you, but it's far better for me to be in heaven. It's far better for us all to be. But the only reason he gives me breath of life is quite frankly for ministry. And I'm not even saying like ministry of this particular church, although now it is, yeah. And I thank God for that. But I'm talking about the capital C church, like God, like the world, like, like God's heart. That's the only reason why I'm alive. And here's the deal. That's the only reason why you're alive too. That's the only reason why he's giving you breath of life. He is the creator of the universe. He could snatch that breath from you right now. 
But for whatever reason, you woke up today. That's because he gave you breath of life. Why did he give you that breath of life? That you might progress in your faith and joy. I don't know about you, but that's not the way I grew up. The way I grew up is like, like the purpose of life is to be a good person. The purpose of life is to pay your own bills. The purpose of life is to be moral and an upstanding citizen. Like these weren't told to me like verbatim, but they were taught to me as a culture. But the Bible balks against that. It's not that those things are bad, but the Bible's like, no, 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 no. Your purpose, dude, don't you get it? Your purpose is to progress in faith and joy. Can you believe that the foundational cornerstone of Christianity, one of, the, one of the cornerstone pieces, one of the very reasons why you have breath of life today is so that you might progress in your faith and joy. That's what scripture says. This is why Paul says, and I echo as your pastor, I want to continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Amen? Point number one, trust God's process. Point number two, stick to God-pleasing priorities. And point number three, Live with God-given purpose. Those are the three essentials. 10,000-foot view of this first chapter of the book of Philippians. We're going to go into nitty-gritty details in the coming weeks, but we have to do a flyby, and you have to understand where this spark joy is coming from. And those are the three essentials. Jesuit priest Pierre Deschardins put it this way. He said, joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. I love that quote. Joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. You got joy, if you have true joy in your life, guess what, that joy is about to double up because you need to understand, you need to realize the presence of God is in your life. And likewise, if you have the presence of God in your life, guess what, you're gonna have joy. It's an infallible sign of God's presence, right? And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up They're going to lead us in a time of, as we continue to worship, as we present our tithes and offerings to the Lord. Um, And as we do that, I'm going to ask each of you here this morning, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, Let's leave those three up there for now, okay, those three points. I'm going to ask you to look at those three points. If you haven't jotted them down already, that's cool too. But here's my simple question. You don't have to share this. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to write this or whatever. Uh, But here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, just think about this. Which of those three points is the most challenging for you today? Like right now, sorry I made a mess. This is just like absolutely atrocious. Okay, we're good. Um, <laughs> uh, go ahead and I want you to think about which of those three is the most challenging for you this morning, okay? And I want you, in just a few moments as we present our tithes and offerings, I want you to like wrestle with this a little bit before God. Like God, you see me in number two. God, here's my number one. God, like look at me. I, I, you know I'm struggling with number three right now. God, I just... I need you to finish the good work you've begun in me. I can guarantee you, he, I, I can say this with full confidence, every single person here and those watching online, like God has begun a good work in you. And I know God's not a liar. 
His word says that he's going to finish it onto completion. So you can have joy in that. And so what I'm all, all I'm asking you to do is take those three and ask yourselves, which of those three is the most challenging for you this morning? And I want you to present that along with your tithes and offerings. I want you to present that too, even more than your tithes and offerings. I want you to present that to God. I want you to say, God, here, I need you to, I need you to reshape my priorities. I, 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 I need to trust in your plan. I, 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 need, I need to find purpose in you. And I'm asking you to wrestle that one to the ground as we continue to worship him. Does that make sense? Awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I am I'm gonna hold you to your word that says, you who have begun a good work in us will finish it to completion to the day of Jesus Christ, whether we see him face to face or whether he comes down here to meet us, whichever comes first. I hold you to that, Lord, because you are a good God and you are a truthful God and you are a loving God and you are a powerful God. And Lord, when I look at the world today, all I, all I feel and all I see are things that are against joy. All, all I can... I just think about the hurts. I just think about the tragedies. I just think about the things that are broken, Lord. And, and I have every reason not to be filled with joy. But your word gives me joy. Your purposes, your priorities, your plan gives me joy. And I pray, Father, that that might be shared with every single man, woman, and child in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you were inspired by this message, we hope you'll share it with a friend and subscribe to our podcast. Or best of all, come visit us in person at our LA campus. For directions, service times, and more info, check out newstorychurch.com. Thanks again and see you soon.